What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? They take their listeners from surviving to thriving. I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast brought to you by Future Focused Parenting. Hi, everyone. Dina and Kira here. Well, not here together, but here separately with another episode of Raising Adults for you. And while we continue to record remotely, we are still so glad to be with you and all of you future-focused parents out there. And please hang in there. I want to tell you right away what the topic is so that you'll hang in because admittedly, there's a little bit of admin at the top of the episode today. But hang in there because not only is the admin stuff important and things you won't want to miss, but today's episode is all about staying calm in parenting. And how do you maintain this calm demeanor, calm tone, calm attitude, when maybe on the inside you don't feel very calm at all? We're going to break that down for you, give you some really practical tips for kind of maintaining your cool, so to speak. So we look forward to getting into that and just have a few things to share with you first. So maybe you're out there and you actually offer something, a product, a service, some something that you do that helps people and you're able to do it virtually. And we wanted to talk to you for a moment because perhaps you offer something amazing, but people don't know it even exists or that you offer it in a way that can be delivered virtually or remotely during this time. And If that's you, we just wanted to let you know that we would love to share what you do with our listenership, and we're offering discounts right now on advertising. So if you want to advertise on the podcast, we would love to shout out your business and just share with our listeners and followers what you're doing. So please, please reach out to us because this is a time that's really about community and about helping each other. So if you have a way to help people and you want to get the word out, let us help you get the word out. You can email us at info at futurefocusedparenting.com and we'd love to connect you with those advertising opportunities. And I just have to say, totally as an added bonus, for no extra charge, you get the lovely voice of Kira, the voice actor. (laughs) So you get like professional voice actor action and you didn't even have to pay extra for it. So, I mean, who wouldn't want that? So please let us know if there's a way we can help you help other people. We want to do that. Yeah, we're going to be offering like deep, deep discounts for advertising right now. We just want people to be able to let let our FFPs know that you exist yes. and that you're out there virtually and they can have access to you. Absolutely. So definitely be in touch. Um, and then last thing before we actually get to the episode, we heard about a really cool podcast today. We just want to give a shout out to the Pumping Podcast. It's run by Jessica Lorian. Sounds like Dorian. <laughs> um, and she's awesome. We met her on a Zoom call today with some other podcasters, and her mission is fantastic. Basically, she was like, all these moms, all these new moms are pumping and breastfeeding, and they're lonely. And she was like, I wanted to create a community for them. I wanted to create a place where they could just know they're not alone and hear the stories of other moms that are becoming parents too. Um, So she says it's a podcast by mamas for mamas with episodes about being and becoming a mom. So I just encourage you to check that out if you're just like going stir crazy and looking for a way to connect and looking for a way to feel less alone in those early parenting days. If you're new, do check it out, The Pumping Podcast. And we are actually going to be guests on her show coming up here soon. So we're excited for that too. Yeah, that's going to be fun to be featured on that. I mean, what a great point. You're kind of stuck I mean, now we're all stuck right now in kind of a new way, but when you're nursing 
or pumping and you're just sitting, it's a great time to listen to a podcast. I mean, that was kind of a stroke of genius she had, actually. Yeah. Well, and I don't know about you, but I have a couple friends who just had babies like last week. Mm. And they're saying that one of the hardest things has been, you know, it's isolating enough when you have a new baby. But now it's like they can't even have visitors. Right. No one can come and see the baby and relieve them and maybe fold some laundry. And so, yeah, I think the idea of of like creating a space for women that are already lonely, Mm -hmm. that are about to probably be feeling even lonelier, what an amazing thing to do. So shout out to Jessica. Do check out the Pumping Podcast. I am, I'm sure that it will help you feel a little more connected as well. Yes. Anything to help us feel a little less alone right now is great. So should we talk about staying calm (laughs) after all that? Yes. Let's talk about staying calm. I, uh, I feel like um, it's it's not dissimilar to the swearing on the inside mm. that you do. You know what I mean? Mm. The idea of like, I may be feeling the feels, but they stay inside yes. <laughs> instead of Kira who like swears on the outside. Or when I've talked um, about giving an Oscar-worthy performance, when I'm like, yes. I'm so glad you asked me about that. <laughs> yeah, the I'm not shocked. Yes, case. yes. Yeah, totally. It's exactly all of that, right? And, and as parents especially as moms i feel like we are we are pushed to uh really really be thoughtful about how we present our face our body our voice and our words right and and never so more than right now everybody's right at the end of their rope um so yeah like how do we continue to stay calm in the best of times but especially right now when it's even harder than it was before yeah for sure it's a tall order <laughs> So do you have a why? You must have a why around this because you're a quite calm parent anyway. Yeah. I, or at least on the outside. I, 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 on the outside. On the outside. I mean, we, we kind of joke in our family about that because I I don't raise my voice very often, but I, I get spicy sometimes. And so I think the why for me, though, is that, and I've said this before, is that I do have issues ongoing issues that I'm working on with tone. And to me, part of calmness is what I convey in my tone and volume of voice. And so to me, this falls under kind of an umbrella why that I've mentioned before, which is I'm really working on that, that the the what I say is often okay. The how I say it sometimes needs work. And so to me, under this umbrella of the why of portraying a calm demeanor is tone and volume and my facial expressions and all those things that go outside of the words themselves, right? So coming back to that for me, my why is that it was very important. Actually, I'm not going to say was, is, still is important to me that what I'm saying isn't dissonant with how I'm saying it and that I'm not always giving off this stressed out vibe. And I think I tend toward that. So it's something I have to really watch for, which makes my why around this really strong because it is an area of growth for me. It's not somewhere where I'm like, oh, I've arrived. I've got this one. You know, there's parts of my parenting where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of nailing that. This isn't one of those for me. And so the why is kind of extra strong because I really do have to work at it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I think for a lot of us, our whys come from actually our own places of, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like the places where we need work. Right. A lot of that. Like we know that we struggle there or we know that we have to be so careful there. And so 
that becomes the strong why. A lot yes. of us, I think, especially future focused parents, are are self aware, and so it it stems from that that place of knowing. Mm, that's a great point. Well, my why is, I mean, oh, so many things to my why. I, it, my mom yelled not a lot, but enough. She yelled enough that that was hard, and I knew that I didn't want to be a yeller. I am a yeller naturally. I'm not with my kids, but I am. I was until I had children a yeller. I yell at Dave. <laughs> I don't anymore. I used to. It drove him crazy. Um, and I get that. I mean, especially now as I'm older and I'm reflecting back, like I can see why why people don't don't like that. <laughs> like, duh, nobody likes that. Um, but I think also the more and more I dove into my mental health career, you know look, is everyone going to yell at their kids once or twice? Absolutely. Like we all yell. Mm -hmm. Everybody at some point loses, loses it. That's normal. But parents who yell all the time, I mean, there is a, um, a link to that and kids with anxiety. There really is because you're unpredictable and kids just kind of never know what's going to, what's going to set you off. And so that for me became really important. Like I, I wanted to be predictable for them and I wanted them to even have a warning that I was going to get worked up or a heads up that they were pushing my buttons to a point, you know, that was really going to set me over the edge so that it didn't just come out of nowhere and create a constant fear for them, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, oh, what's what's going to make mom blow? Um, saying that, of course, I sometimes lose it, but I not that often. Um, and it comes from that same place. Like I'm a natural yeller. I know it's a problem. And I didn't want that to impact my kids for all the reasons I just said. And so it's something that I keep my eye on very closely. That's such a great point, the unpredictability of a yeller. And I think kids not knowing which thing on which day will upset mom or dad to that point. And it would really kind of make you be on guard in a different way. I was really thinking through that as you were talking, because I had a, a mom who was a yeller and she's like, amazing. And I, but it, but it was a thing. I mean, she even had a shirt that was like, I yell because I care. <laughs> she was So, I mean, she was almost, she was almost like proud of it. It was, it was a thing. It was like, yep, that's how I roll. And, and we got super used to her, but I think being used to somebody doesn't mean it's like positive and amazing either. So. Well, and that's the other thing is, the, uh, so there's two sides to yelling, right? The first one is that it, it really can create this anxiety. Um, because if you think about, sorry, I'm just going to unpack this really quick. But for most people, what anxiety is, is a bid for peace. So if I can just worry about it, then I can figure it out so that I won't have to worry anymore and I can mm -hmm. feel okay. And that makes perfect sense with yelling. It's like if I can figure out what's going to set them off, then I can stop it from happening. And so that's the link between Lots of yelling. Again, I want to be clear. There's a big difference between the occasional yell and constantly yelling. That's what causes anxiety, not the occasional yell. But the other thing that happens with constant yelling is that kids also kind of tune it out. It just is meaningless. It becomes just the way that you communicate and actually isn't then effective when you need it to be. If I want to yell at my kid to stop because they're going to run out in the road, if I yell all the time, not as effective. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so- there's that piece to it as well. Like we really want to save our yells for when it really is necessary, when it really matters, um, or when we really, really can't take any more. But if we're always not able to take any more, then I think as parents, we have a responsibility to look at that and be like, why mm -hmm. is it that my edge is right here all the time, every moment of the day? You know? Yeah. No, that was worth unpacking. Thank you. So what are your tools and tips? What do you do to stay calm? Well, 
There's a couple of things that come to mind right away. And one has to do with how I take care of myself so that it doesn't leak out onto other people. And <laughs> this is, I'm giggling because this is a little bit funny, but this is really true. I, I nap. I do prophylactic preventative naps. So this is one of the areas <laughs> where I'm a proactive parent around sleeping. And I, again, something I've said before on the podcast that I don't even like being around myself when I don't have enough sleep. But honestly, even if I've had enough sleep in the night, if I can feel myself being just edgier that particular day, I'm, I will go lay down. And, and I'm not even kidding. Even if I don't fall asleep, it might be go to my room and lay down and read a book or read a magazine. Uh, I need, I've learned this about myself. So here's actually my tip for you, because you might not be a napper. Or you might be one of those people who's like, oh, that's just so not for me. But what I will say is there's, there's a tip here is that, and that is to know yourself. What helps you just get enough of a break from that situation that's escalating you to come back to it with fresh eyes? And hopefully a fresh, calm tone of voice. And so that that might be a nap or a lay down for me. It might not be that for you. So this is really about knowing yourself. But I do think the key point is know yourself and what works and know what where you can get that break because the break from the situation is important. When we notice ourselves escalating, we do, as the adults in the home, have a job to do to stop it from boiling over. Yeah. And so I think that's an important thing know what works for you to get that little break. I have to sometimes step literally and figuratively away from the situation to come back at it in a, in a more calm manner. And another one for me is just kind of self-care stuff, like not in the moment, but just in general to make sure that there's a steady stream of, am I filling my tank so that it doesn't easily get emptied by the people I'm around a lot? And I, and I will say right now, I feeling kind of housebound, my people are all up in my grill all the time, right? So that oh, so that yes. so that becomes even more essential to know what fills my tank because otherwise I'm gonna I'm gonna be running on fumes in a real hurry. And again, those those exact things are gonna look different for everyone. So there's no reason to give an exhaustive list, but be taking care of yourself proactively too. And then that means hopefully you won't have as many times where in the moment you need that quote timeout or whatever it is. But I think too many of us just put ourselves on the back burner and a situation like this is going to highlight that really quickly if you have been running on empty. I just love that this is the approach that you took to this because you're so spot on and I think that so often what we don't realize is that the you know in in our desperate attempt to be everything to everyone because we think that's what's best for our family, we actually end up hurting our family mm. because we're not giving our best. It's it's sort of this weird, vicious cycle that we can create if we're not keeping an eye on our self-care. So I think that so true. it's something that, you know, most people wouldn't think, wow, I'm yelling because I'm not getting good self-care. And I love that you've brought that up because I think actually for a lot of people, that's exactly what's going on. Exactly. So thank you for like just coming at it from that angle. It's such an important angle. Oh, well, Yay. So I guess for me, I come at it from the mental perspective of like, there's a lot happening in my head when I'm working on not yelling, mm -hmm. um, when I'm feeling all the feels and stuff's bubbling up for me. Um, and that's sort of the stuff I'd want to share with our listeners is just things to be like thinking about when you're experiencing these feelings. So the first one is, and this is a big one, are you yelling because it's necessary or are you yelling because it makes you feel better? And 
way, what I mean by that is that when we yell, it releases the feelings inside of our body. Like it quite literally is a physical release. And that makes us, at least in the short term, feel much better because all these yucky things that are in our body are now spewed out of our body and onto our kids. And I get that because that's that's my tendency. Um, the problem, of course, is that once it's out, we feel generally really guilty and we feel bad that we've yelled. And now we feel maybe even worse than we did in the first place. And second of all, I love what you said earlier. We're the parents. It's actually our responsibility to do something about that. So really thinking if you're a yeller, am I yelling because it just makes my body feel better? And if so, what are other ways for me to get those feelings out? Um, so, you know, maybe you have a stress ball that you squeeze really hard or you rip up pieces of paper or you, you know, go down to your deck and throw ice at it to like just really get that physical sensation out of your body. Or you do jumping jacks or you run around the block if you can, you know, if you're able to get outside or you have a treadmill or whatever. Um, but really translating the idea of I'm yelling because they've pissed me off into I'm yelling to actually release some physical tension. What are other ways that I can release physical tension? And so my timeouts usually look like that because I love I think all parents should not be afraid to give themselves a timeout. Sure. I say it all the time. Mommy needs a timeout. Yep. <laughs> but my timeouts are actually about how do I physically get this feeling out of my body? And then I can do some deep breathing and then I can calm myself down. Um, but for me, that release is very important. It's why I was a yeller. Mm -hmm. And so and so looking at looking at that. And then the second piece of that is and I do this in my head. Like I said, these are tools that happen like in my head. Um, the second piece is, am, is the behavior age appropriate? Because I think sometimes parents yell at kids who are behaving just like, like they should. Yes. That doesn't mean that we tolerate the behavior, and it doesn't mean that we aren't trying to redirect and teach them and turn them into adults who behave differently. That's our whole philosophy, right? But it does mean, is it is this a situation where they're doing something wrong, or are they doing exactly what a five-year-old, seven-year-old, ten-year-old should be doing, and my job is to come in and help redirect and shape and teach them? And when you look at it that way, it can, it, for me anyway, it can really help diffuse me. It's like, okay, I don't like what I'm seeing. It's driving me bananas, but it's really exactly what a, an eight-year-old should be doing. And so that helps me feel a little calmer just in that moment. Like, you know, what I'm seeing is totally age-appropriate. What am I as the parent going to do to teach into it. Yes. That's such an important distinction. Looking at behavior that is appropriate and is childish versus behavior that is truly rebellious or wrong or defiant. I mean, there's really a difference. And yeah. we sometimes, I think as adults have trouble pulling it apart just because if the behavior frustrates us, we don't always split the hairs to do that work. So such an important point. I mean, it's it like it, we didn't have kids to have adults, right. right? This is where I would almost flip what we normally say on its head. Like, I don't want to raise kids. I want to raise adults. But whilst I'm doing that, I need to acknowledge that I have kids. Mm -hmm. I don't have adults yet. Now, hopefully by the end of this, I do. But I really think like if if more parents could let go of the attachment to the age appropriate stuff and save the big reactions and save the big feelings for, hey, actually what that what that was right there was not OK for any aged person. Right. right? That is going to 
buy you more authority because they're going to really listen because you haven't been picking them up on all these little things that are just age appropriate. You've been teaching into that. And then you're saving those big responses for the stuff that actually is is genuinely worthy of a big response. Yes, either because it's really not okay or like you mentioned earlier, there's a safety issue at hand because there is a time where it's okay to shout no or stop if there's a safety issue. So I, I absolutely agree with that. We, we've got to recognize that while we're raising adults, they're going to go through all these different stages of being children and then tweens and then teens. And each of those stages come with unique frustrations for the parents. But here's the other thing that you made me think of is that also with this idea and our whole philosophy about being proactive and intentional and playing the long game and and parenting with the end in mind is we're also showing them what the end looks like. And, and we have an important job to do to be an example of Mm -hmm. an appropriate adult ourselves. And if we're constantly flying off the handle or frazzled or yelling or not calm or handling, handling situations in a really just frenetic way and getting ramped up over every little thing, we're showing them, oh, this is what adulthood looks like. It's super stressful. It's awful. You're going to be mad all the time. And you know what? They're not going to be interested in that. And so why would they want to then learn from us and lean into the wisdom and the instruction and the redirection that we're providing? Because they're going, if that's how it looks, like, I, I don't want to be like that. So I think that's another another kind of thing to watch out for. And I know having had a parent who was a yeller that I said, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Right. You know, I think that's right. an important thing to remember. We're we're their example of what a grown up looks like. That's right. Important. And and so I think like if you're hearing all this and you're going, yeah, that's true. I need to work on that. Like lean into the stuff, those tools. Right? Can you just take a moment? Can you find another way to release your big feelings? Can you think yourself out of it? Because even as someone who's quite um, impulsive <laughs> in my feelings. Um, I often can think myself out. Um, and then I would also say if you feel like it's growing and growing, can you start to notice the first time you feel it? Like, can we catch it early? Because sometimes that can really diffuse it. If you're like, wow, I really get that feeling in my stomach mm-hmm. or wow, I feel this tightness in my chest. The second that you notice it, that is the time to tell your kids, hey, you know what? Mommy's starting to feel really frustrated. I can feel myself getting more and more frustrated. I'm worried I'm going to raise my voice, and I know you don't like it when I do that. So can we change the behavior here, right? Letting them in, because that is at least going to make you more predictable. Even if you can't stop the yelling, if you can at least let them in on the process, you're going to start catching it sooner, and they're going to start catching it sooner, and that will help tremendously. Yes, and let me, I, I love this, and let me give a word of encouragement to you who may struggle with this. We aren't saying you are suddenly going to stop it perfectly, the end, forever, period at the end of the sentence. But what we are saying is as you pay attention to the sensations that come along as you're escalating or the feelings you have, or even physiologically, I know I start to get hot when I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. paying attention to that. So here's what what I want to say is even if you start reducing the time between a blow up and you fixing it with your family, that is a great start because initially you may not be able to catch it before you've yelled or shouted or said something you don't mean or fill in the blank, but you go, you will more quickly say, oh, you know what? 
I lost my cool there. That really wasn't okay. I need to circle back around. And like we've talked about before, apologizing to your kids, admitting that, owning it. And as you shrink the time frame, eventually you'll catch it before it happens. So I really want to encourage you if you're like, well, I'm not going to just suddenly stop and do it perfectly. No, probably not. But if you listen to what Kira said, try and catch the things that lead up to it and then couple that with what I've just shared. And if you can be shrinking the time zone between losing the the calm, collected demeanor and making it right, eventually you're going to catch it before it actually happens. So that amount of time shrinks. You're not leaving kids with the aftermath of a blow up for an hour while you go calm down and you're still fuming or whatever. I think it's we want to reduce the time between blow up and repair. And I want to make sure we talk about repair in a second. But we want to extend the time between noticing feeling and blow up. Right. So it's like the more that you pay attention to noticing the feeling before it happens, the longer that stretch is actually going to get for you. And you may actually be able to Mm -hmm. start to prevent the blow up in the first place. But then 100 percent what you just said, once it's happened, we really want to circle back and get to that repair as quickly as possible. Exactly. Then you're working at it from both ends. You have this ability to start being more aware to be preventative, but then also have the wisdom and the the insight to see it and fix it if you didn't catch it and you've got to deal with it afterwards. So we really want to just encourage you. This probably isn't going to look perfect right away because I know that if you are a parent who leans toward frustration or gets to where you raise your voice and things, it can also feel defeating to go, oh, I did it again. And then you want to just kind of give up and throw in the towel. And we want to encourage you not to give up and throw in the towel. You work at both of these ends until eventually they meet in the middle and you're able to be really preventative. So yes, talk about the repair too. Let's let's revisit that because we've shared before, but we, we should revisit that. Yeah. And I think so repair is a counseling phrase, a therapy phrase that that really means repairing the damage that's been done. And all the studies show that repair is extremely important and that can really offset whatever trauma has occurred. Um, And so when that comes to parental and child relationships, what that means is that exactly what Dina said, that we are very, very quickly circling back to have a conversation with our kids. We don't sweep it under the rug that we made a big mistake and lost our cool. We have to acknowledge it and we want to create that healing and that repair. And that's going to look different for everyone, but it starts with an ownership. And for some of us, that's hard. Like even just owning that I shouldn't have yelled, I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry, is very hard, but so incredibly important. Your kids want to feel validated and acknowledged. And then the repair piece is really like, how can we reconnect? So we've had this like disconnect in our relationship. How can we now reconnect? Can we read a story together? Can we go for a walk together? Can we play Legos together? Like really leaning into your child to show, I know I made a mistake. I'd like for us to find a way to heal and and reconnect. But here's the one thing I will caution parents about, and that is... It's really important you don't make promises you can't keep. So don't say things like, I'll never do that again, because you might, right? You want to say things like, I'm really trying to work on this. Um, Please be patient with me. You know, um, we're all working on things. I say that in our house all the time. Everybody's working on something. This is something I'm working on. And so I need your patience and your forgiveness. But, you know, I am so sorry that that happened. I think especially if you yell a lot, um, we don't want it to just turn into this predictable like yell, I'm sorry, move on. We really they need to see that it's moving forward. So as long as you're consistently showing that those timelines are stretching in one direction and shortening in the other, then that repair happens more easily, too. Absolutely. All those steps are so important. We've got to own our stuff. 
especially right now, especially right now, everyone has stuff right now. Oh, yeah. And that's okay. Yes. And as parents, like, it, it's it's really reminiscent for me of grief. It's like when, when our family was grieving, the way that everyone's grief bumped into each other and how sometimes it was like, well, whose grief wins and and who has it worse in this particular moment? And we would step all over each other in our grief because everyone's just swirling in their own stuff. And this is a lot like that. So even parents who don't lose their cool are going to start losing their cool, I think, in this current climate. And so the more tools we have in that toolbox, and, and it's okay to acknowledge that too. I mean, I literally lost my mind the other day. And again, I don't do that very often. And part of the repair was me saying, you know, this is a really different and intense time. And I think you're going to see some different behavior from me that I, even I don't like. And I need to be aware of that. And I need to be looking at that so that I don't hurt you even more than we're all already hurting right now. Oh, so just that acknowledgement, so you know. Good. Yeah, I hope it's helpful, FFPs, just to hear that, like, you know, we're not saying that you're, there's something wrong with you if you yell. Everyone does. It's really just about how can we minimize it? How can we be the grownups? How can we have a toolbox for ourselves so that we set a good example for our kids? We create a, a really safe space and safe relationship for them um, and just allow them to see our humanity, but in the best way possible. Yeah, that's you just said it. You said it so beautifully. And I actually want to share a closing quote today that we've actually shared before because it it's so applicable here. And this is by L.R. Nost. And it's when little people are overwhelmed by big emotions, it's our job to share our calm, not to join their chaos. Yeah. Important, you guys, it's hard. And right now, everybody's up in each other's business in a whole fresh new way. So it's going to be really essential and that we can share our calm. But that first means you need to find it and you need to know where you get it. So back to the top of the episode, pay attention to that self-care, take those breaks and timeouts when you need them, and then do the work to restore things when you do have a misstep because we're all going to have those. Yeah. So thank you so much for being with us today. We do wish you well and pray that you stay safe and healthy and calm. And we'll yes. look forward to bringing you more next week. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Future Focused Parenting. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, this is a wonderful time to do it. Please hit that subscribe button. We're so grateful for all of our loyal listeners. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in Kira's laundry room and partially in Dina's bonus room. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>